This episode of Where to Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Digging Up the Marrow. If you have never seen this movie before and want to take part in this series by sending in a review, then please press stop right now. Go away, check out the movie, submit your review and be part of the series. However, if you've seen it before, or to be honest, you just don't give a shit about spoilers, then please listen on. Don't say you weren't warned. In every society, there are the deviants, the ones who are pure evil. We've been shooting this documentary. I'd love to roll. Take one. 100 yards beneath the surface of the earth exists a metropolis that mirrors ours in very many respects. I call it the marrow. William Decker claims that he's found monsters. I see their shapes moving through the woods. Is he crazy? Um, is he is he mentally ill? Is it all a hoax? You believe this? You're a believer. What if this guy's conspiracy theories are all true? Please don't get hurt. It's right up there, the address to the marrow. Okay, do you, do you see anything? Oh God, he's right here in front of us now. I, 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 I don't see it. Turn, turn it on. Turn no. on the light. No, 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 no. Turn on the light if it's here. I want to no, see it. Turn off that light. Turn no. on the light. You're too blind to see what's going on around you. What are you going to see? You're going to see. Are you kidding me? We should just go. I warned you. I warned you some of them were dangerous. Mr. Decker. Just tell me the truth about one single thing. They know we found them. Stay away. And welcome back to another episode of Where To Begin With. This is episode number six of season number two. Season two is looking at found footage, full documentaries and mockumentary movies. And through our previous five episodes, we have ticked off some bigger names in this subgenre and some lesser seen movies. Coming up later on this show, you will hear reviews from listeners of our previous episode's choice, The Conspiracy from 2012. So stick around and check out what you guys made of that movie. On this episode, however, we are going to be taking a look at Digging Up the Marrow. This is a for all intents and purposes, a mockumentary, full documentary. It's more mockumentary than anything else. Um, does incorporate found footage elements. It is written and directed by Adam Green. Now, Adam Green himself is an indie filmmaker who has kind of come to prominence in the late 2000s, early 2010s. He hasn't really done anything for a while, to be fair. He is probably most notable in horror circles and maybe even to an extent non-horror circles as the man behind the Hatchet franchise. So him and uh, his creation, Alistair Crowley, or Victor Crowley, isn't it? It's not Alistair Crowley, it's Victor Crowley, have uh, have been tearing up the screens for four installments 
but he did Frozen, which came out in 2010. He did Spiral, which came out a little bit before that. And he did a movie in 2014 called Digging Up the Marrow. Now, this movie dropped in between seasons of Holliston, which is a kind of comedy horror TV show. Certainly more comedy than it is horror. And... To be fair, I think it might be his best work. I think it's where he gets the balance of his humour and his reverence for the subgenre just right. It's a very easy watch. It's on Shudder, so you can go and check out Holliston there, and I highly recommend you do it. However, Digging Up the Marrow is also on Shudder, so you can check that one out as well. So if you haven't and you are still at the moment of getting ready to hit stop when I start spoiling the movie, now is the time maybe to do it. Sticking Up the Marrow is, is a movie that I have picked for this, but isn't a movie I love. So I think this is an okay movie, I don't love it. And it frustrates me because on paper, this is a movie made for me. It just doesn't connect with me, mostly because it's, it's playing in the same pool and borrowing heavily. And I'm using the word borrowing, but we might go one step further and say it's at times slightly plagiarising um, the movie Nightbreed, based on the novel Cabal by Clive Barker, one of my favourite horror novelists and one of my favourite horror movies. The premise here is that Adam Green playing himself um, whilst trying to write a new season of Holliston and being kind of bogged in with all the stuff he does uh, has received some fan mail in the form of a book from a former police detective that details out a whole litany of different things he has witnessed that lead him to believe that he has proof that monsters actually exist and as a kind of form of escapism, Adam Green and his longtime production cameraman partner decide to kill some time and interview this guy with a view to making a documentary which possibly could end up ridiculing him um, or maybe, you know, you never know, lead to the discovery that monsters are real. Um, it's pitched in such a way that as a horror fan, you kind of, you're excited to see where this goes, but also at the same time, you know at the back of your head that monsters aren't real. And that's kind of where Adam Green falls in this. He plays the part of himself, a, a man who creates for a living the fantasy and illusion that monsters are real to an audience that wants to see them. The Decker character, now, probably heard me stop a little second there and this is where we start to heavily tread heavily heavily tread directly in the waters of Nightbreed Cabal whatever we want to call it because um, we're taking the name aren't we like it's not even trying to hide it the guy's called William Decker um, and for anyone that's seen Nightbreed the, the kind of arch villain of that particular story, played by David Cronenberg in the movie, is Dr. Decker. So we're just we're just taking that name over wholesale. Um, it's played by Ray Wise. Now this is how you know you're in 
kind of mockumentary territory as opposed to found footage or even to an extent full documentary. I like Rewise is instantly recognisable, beloved genre actor and he is kind of fucking incredible in this movie. He's one of the reasons I feel I should love it a lot more uh, and it pains me every time I watch it and I don't. Uh, Decker is a fairly secretive and at times intense guy who has found um, these creatures which he believes live in metropolises underneath, metropoli, is that the plural? Underneath the surface of the earth, um, basically having similar setups to ourselves. These are kind of all the things of fable, the you know malformed children, um, people with disfigurements, uh, the fabled creatures we've heard, like the, you know, the dog-faced boy, all these sort of things. This is where they go. They all go to be part of this, this group of people living under the ground. Now, once again, if you're Clive Barker, you would say this sounds a whole lot like Midian, where the monsters live. <laughs> um, because it kind of fucking is. And it doesn't really help this adaptation, this movie, that the entrance is in a graveyard, which is also... Midian. But the story that Adam Green puts forward in his movie is that Rewise's character, Decker, has uh, nicknamed this the Marrow. And this is where they live. And he seems a bit eccentric and they start to humour him a little bit by going on these night journeys to find them. But part of the journey is that they can't film it with the lights on. So Raywise is constantly pointing at things, saying, oh, do you see them over there? And they can't do anything about it. Eventually, they kind of break one of uh, Decker's rules and switch the lights on and capture a glimpse of a monster. But only Adam Green appears to believe that this is real, but that's because he wants to believe it's real. The movie kind of keeps going at a pace like that, where there's conversations back and forth. We do a bit of digging into Decker's background to reveal maybe he's lying about who he is. And in the interactions, we eventually find out that he had a son, but he won't talk about it. And his marriage split up and he won't talk about it. This kind of moves through further and further into the movie. We get more indications that maybe there's something there, potentially, and we start to find that Decker really isn't the man that he says he is, he never worked with the police department, um, that they can find out. They have a theory, or at least Adam Green has the theory, that maybe Decker's son has died, and he thinks that he's gone to live in the marrow, and this is why he's obsessed about it. It all kind of comes to a head at the end of the movie where Adam Green and his cohort go out to the entrance to the marrow themselves, uh, do a bit of digging around, don't necessarily find anything, uh, but there is an indication that something might be out there, and Decker catches them in the act. They have this big argument, and during the argument, uh, the camera turns around to reveal that actually the creatures from the marrow are out and they try and attack them. They escape and uh, there's an altercation at the house where Decker basically kind of gives away 
a bit of what he's doing. He can't afford to lose him again. He's going to go back out there and dig up this hole before they disappear. Because once they're discovered, we find out in the movie, um, they close up the entrances to the real world and will move somewhere else. And he persuades Adam Green to come back the following day, which he does, only to find out the house has been cleaned out. Now, during the movie, there has been a room with a lock on it that you're never allowed to go into. Decker won't allow him to do it, and incidentally, when they open it, it looks like he has captured one of them and held them in this room. So he actually had the proof all along, and it was in this room. And it also might be why there's a bit of resentment towards Decker from these creatures. Um, but he's gone. Uh, one of the neighbours says that no one's lived there for over a year. Uh, everything is gone. Uh, they go out to the entrance. The entrance has disappeared as well. Now, during the filming of this, they've tried various different methods to capture the creatures. And one of them was positioning cameras around the entrance. Which, funnily enough, Deckard said earlier on in the movie, wouldn't show them anything, hadn't shown them anything before. And one of the cameras goes missing. At the very end of this movie, Adam Green is seen kind of teary-eyed and snotty-faced, very blue rich, um, in his production room, saying that his camera was delivered back to him, visibly shaken up, and he plays it. And it shows footage of someone with the missing camera going down the hole... Uh, into a cage where a naked Rewise is there uh, claiming not to know anything about monsters and telling people not to follow him or believe his words. There are no such thing as monsters. There's no such thing. Uh, we then see something deliver the camera back to Adam Green in his house before releasing an ear-piercing shriek which ends the movie. So, I mean, it borrows a lot from Nightbreed. And like I say, it's always the kind of thing that's... I want to like Adam Green a lot more than I do. Um, I think he's a guy that has made a very successful career of basically taking other people's ideas and putting his own spin on them. I, I don't necessarily think he's ever... Maybe it was Spiral. I don't think he's necessarily ever really made the original horror movie. It's always a riff on a theme that's been done by a much better filmmaker. And this is no exception to that. I think the idea of are the monsters, you know, evil or is man evil by trying to exploit them is an interesting topic which is kind of fumbled throughout this movie. Whereas a story like Cabal or Nightbreed, for example, kind of handles it really, really well. Maybe not necessarily as much in the movie, but in the source material for sure. So I think that's all kind of clumsy, but it does have a powerhouse performance by Ray Wise, who is absolutely fucking excellent in this. I think Adam Green at times comes across as a bit smug, which is supposed to be part of his character, but he falls into too many tropes where he's looking around, uh, kind of mockingly at the camera while sitting in front of a guy who is kind of pouring his heart out to him. I don't think he would get away with that as much as the movie likes to do. There's a lot of in-jokes about Green himself, the delays to Holliston, his career in general. Um, some of the cameos by real filmmakers are really good. Others are pretty terrible. Like Tom Holland shows up with Mick Garris and the two of them feel like they are trying to rehearse lines for this movie 
Whereas other cameos, like people like Don Coscarelli, it's like a natural conversation. So it kind of takes me out of it when I see that and it feels so wooden. It like, feels like forced comedy, so to speak. The creature design is absolutely fucking brilliant in this. I mean, absolutely brilliant. It is, if anything, it's better than Nightbreed. Um, it's really, really clever and they put a lot of attention to this. This would be an interesting, like... Like graphic novel, or like a, if if Adam Green had spun this out to a larger universe of creatures, it's all in here. The designs are wicked. Um, I feel like there could be stuff done here. Uh, the the end of the movie falls into, it, and the movie itself knowingly hits out. Well, there's a cameo with Kane Hodder where they talk about this being like a documentary. Um, footage that they're doing and he kind of looks at the camera and says oh found footage like we don't have hundreds of those movies and it's a knowing little nod and and jab at what Adam Green's doing in here so it's an end joke that actually works really well but they play into those tropes like towards the end there's a scene of them all running in the woods the end of this movie is Adam Green teary-eyed and traumatized while looking directly at a camera you know these are things where the movie itself knows the beats that it's going for and knows what it's ripping off. It's it's a it's a movie like I say that I'm always conflicted with because I feel like on paper this movie should tick all the boxes for me. And I do enjoy it. I just don't love it and I feel like I should. This is the sort of movie that if I was a teenager and I stumbled across this I would fucking love it. But because it didn't come out till I was ostensibly, what, in my 30s, um, I just kind of sigh a little bit with it. It just feels forced. Um, and it's full of things I've seen done better in other movies. And I just... I don't know what Adam Green's... I don't know what he was expecting to get out of this. Although I'm glad he made it. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's a conflict that I have whenever I watch this movie like I say you watch it for the creatures which are awesome and for the powerhouse rewise performance you're still not getting a bad time doing that just all the other stuff kind of feels a bit sloppy and maybe just not as good as it could be and I think that's where the frustration sits in for me I will be interested to hear what you guys make of this movie because like I say a lot of these issues that I have are my issues, they're not your issues. And there's a good chance, and it's why I've picked it, that if it lands well with you, that I get to live vicariously through your reviews and get the experience that I feel I should be getting from it. I think it's an interesting one because this is a horror mockumentary, and there aren't really many horror mockumentaries. There's full documentaries, there's plenty of found footage, but actual mockumentaries there aren't many of them that's kind of where I'm coming in with this one it's a modern example and it's by an accomplished filmmaker whether you like his movies or not you can't deny that Adam Green has had an impact on the genre in the last 15 years so that is where we land with that so that is what I want from you and I will give you details after your listener reviews as to how you can get in touch to send them in 
for digging up marrow. Like I say, available on Shudder in the UK. I want to say it's available on Shudder in the USA, but can't say that for a hundred percent. But definitely is in the UK. Details of how you can submit that in after your reviews, listener reviews of the conspiracy which i'm really interested in because like i said before this is one that could go a number of different ways for sure so let's get into shall we let's start with the written review that came in from our buddy tim walker who says dear duncan and teapots collective folk interesting choice this time for where to begin with the Conspiracy 2012, a movie I had seen before but it's been a while. It's another movie where I didn't really know which direction a rewatch would go. I did like it the first time to some extent, but that was in 2012 or 2013. Frankly, a lot has happened in the world since then. I wondered if my 2021 eyes and ears wouldn't respond well to it. This movie hits a bit close to home because I have because I've seen what conspiracies can do to people over the years. I used to find them fascinating and sometimes funny. Over the last few years, my take on them has changed. It seems to be getting only worse and worse over society, and it's not nearly as isolated to America as it used to be other. Worse as in sometimes it's dangerous. I've had friends that believe just about everything they have heard, that the world was ending on December 21st, 2012 for example, how did that work out? Or the Illuminati or some similar cabal of evil elites rule everything with an iron fist and godlike powers like this movie sets up. My friend's idea of scepticism was not to believe the lizard people from another dimension theory. Yeah, they took that strong of a stand for critical thinking. Good for them. Way to go, guys. Anyway, that was to tell you my mindset on conspiracy theories going into this viewing. I'm not a fan. In fact, at this point, I just find them irritating and depressing so that many people can believe such ridiculous things with little or no evidence. Not that there aren't conspiracies, but real ones are realistic. So, small scale and not as impressive or sexy. Okay, having said that, this movie has some things going for it. There is an intriguing mystery, though of course a suspension of disbelief is definitely necessary. The acting is pretty decent throughout. The cinematography is very well done to make it look like a fully-fledged documentary. Reading some of the reviews online, apparently some people actually thought it was a genuine documentary and that's a sign of a well-done mockumentary, like the people who saw Savage Land had to look up to see whether or not it was real. The main issue I and apparently quite a few other people had with this movie was the ending. It's pretty ambiguous at best, full-on anticlimactic at worst. My initial take was that the obsessed filmmaker really did uh, head off somewhere off the grid and that the Taurus Club felt bad for scaring him, that they played a nasty joke on them both and wanted to make up for it by cooperating in the documentary, that they genuinely wanted their side of the story to be aired too. That might be a bit of a naive take on it because there's an alternative take on the ending, that an obsessed filmmaker, the guy from the 2017 film The Void, who would bear a striking resemblance to Aaron Paul from Baking Bad, was killed by the Taurus Club. The other guy and his family were threatened with the same unless they gave some positive press in the movie. 
Of course, they could have just killed him too, but I suppose killing a family wouldn't sit well with its club members. Incidentally, Tim, that's my take on the ending. Um, it's hard to tell which theory is correct, but neither one sits well with me. Both feel a bit anticlimactic since you don't see that much at all, and the darker theory is depressing as well. The other dislike for me is that the movie doesn't pack much of a punch, but I think that may be tied to the ending as well. Thin footage movies often do rely on a showstopper of an ending, and this movie's ending really didn't do for me. So I'd say I still like this movie, but I can't give it a rating higher than 3 out of 5. I can put aside my disdain for conspiracy theories and still get into this movie. I can't overlook the flaws though. Will I watch it again? Probably at some point. I do still get in my found footage moods and sometimes I want to revisit ones I haven't seen in a while. By the way, I have seen very few new found footage movies lately. You'd think there would be more over the last year or so with the pandemic and all. It's a simple, cheap and safe way to tell an interesting story. So who knows, maybe there's a bunch coming soon. Anyway, take care Duncan and Teapot's collective folk. And wake up sheeple, Tim. Thank you very much for your review, Tim. Always great to hear from you, my friend. And let's turn our attention to our next review, which comes in from our good buddy, David Garrett Jr. It's an audio review, and David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Putz Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here back again for where to begin with found footage and mockumentaries, with the next one here being The Conspiracy. This is an interesting little film from 2012 that I never actually heard about until it popped up on podcast, but it's not one that pops up all that often. It is interesting that I actually just recently heard a review on Exploding Heads as well as I feel like another podcast also covered this. I'm drawing a blank on who actually did it, but the reason here, of course, you know, being for, you know, where to begin with, I'm finally now watching this one as I do, as I've already said previously, like found footage ones and this whole conspiracy theory type thing really kind of makes it even more intriguing and it's actually kind of funny Duncan that you had said that America being the home of conspiracy theory is you know kind of interesting that this one is from Canada but you know mostly taking place in America and I mean I know a lot of people that I've went to high school with and have met over the years who kind of fall into you know the type of people that you could potentially find in this movie. Now the first thing I really wanted to go into is that this movie really does start and feels like it could be a real documentary. And it is one that I would really get into as well. Now, personally, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I do want to make that clear here. But much like the filmmakers, they fascinate me along with those that get sucked into them. The woman who at first thought I thought was a doctor does point out that things here correlating it back to paranoid schizophrenia. And the biggest thing I took from that is... They create something that you cannot disprove, which just reinforces your belief when, you know, you cannot disprove their theory and everything. And it'll be an interesting kind of thing I'll throw out there when I end up getting into debates with some of these type of people as well. Now, I do like the idea here of the character of Aaron. What I find interesting with him is that he's the one who's contacted and gets everything going. I love the subtle thing that the movie gives us about his backstory. He's a loner. He has his friend of Jim, but Jim has his family where Aaron really doesn't. He has connected with some people online, and they want to start this off-the-grid farm in northern Alberta, Canada, which I think is kind of a cool idea here, especially because it isn't that much different from the character of Terrence, who, 
you know, him going into this conspiracy theory, you know, virtual online chat room type thing as well, is that they have their own type of escapes. It's just his is, you know, dreaming about being on this off the grid farm where Terrence wants to connect with other people about, you know, his beliefs. It is also fitting that he starts to see things and finds the patterns much like his older counterpart did. Now, what I also want to give credit here to this film would be the writing and the editing. There are subtle lines that are dropped throughout that come into play later. A big thing is with Mark during an interview, and this is the writer they found who had done the piece in, I believe it was Time Magazine. The two ask him why he could publish his article, and his explanation made so much sense. That this, you know, group of the Tarsus Club would reveal some information they want to because if you kind of just limit everything to nothing people are going to run rampant and i mean you can see this stuff with a lot of the wayfair or you know a lot of this QAnon type stuff but what also mark says has some interesting reveals later on in that mark is actually in on it and then i love even more the easter eggs in the credits where we're actually realizing that this whole time the reason that this documentary got released is that the tarsus club along with you know the rich entities behind it were the ones that released it and i just love little things like different logos and different names that are getting credited and everything like that especially in like the special thanks and i also really like that there are different images and speeches that are edited in that could seem to be referencing things in this movie and that really helps to build even more on the realism that something like this needs and i mean the other kind of thing goes back to is that you can't prove that's what these you know people were talking about and that these could just be subtle clues now where i think i'll go next would be the acting I don't think anyone is great here, but they really don't have to be. They just have to be believable in my eyes. I can buy that the character of Aaron is, you know, I can feel his loneliness, and the more that he gets sucked into this conspiracy theory, the worse it gets. It feels real to where things end up. I also think that Jim does a really good job as the guy who is interested, but just not to the same degree. And I can also feel, feel his fear too, and his is a little bit different because he's worried about his family getting intertangled. Aside from that, I think everybody else does a solid job here. You know, shouts out to, you know, Clayton and Peterson as, you know, the characters of Mark and Terrence respectively in their important roles. Then really the last thing I want to go over would be the cinematography, effects and sound design. Having this film with found footage as like a documentary is perfect. It feels like we're part of it. Even more so, our people's faces are blurred out to protect the filmmakers and those being filmed without their permission. We don't get a lot of the way of effects, but it doesn't really need to be like that because it's really built more on the suspense. Then finally, the sound design is good. We're getting mostly diegetic sound, and that adds to the realism, especially at the climax. That horn they're using during the hunt is unnerving to me. Now, there is music added in, but that works because I feel like we're seeing the edited final product so I can buy that. So in conclusion here, I really like this movie. Seeing the world of conspiracy theories and how deeply people get sucked into them is frightening all by itself. Where this movie takes it even more, I think, is some genius writing here and editing to help with that realism. The acting also helps along with the cinematography and the sound design. This movie just resonates with me. I'm probably coming in higher than most, but I give this as a great movie in my opinion. And this is one that I'm excited to actually rewatch as well. So my rating here on the T-Put scale is going to be a 4.5 out of 5. And then, Duncan, I was pretty excited to hear that the next one you have selected is Digging Up the Marrow, as this is one that's been on my list to check out for some time as well. Just hadn't gotten around to see it yet, as I actually haven't watched that many Adam Green films as I probably should have. I have seen Frozen, and I've seen Hatchet, but that is about it from what I remember. So, excited to check that movie out. Can't wait to hear the episode and everybody else's thoughts here on The Conspiracy. 
always, thank you for everything that you do, Duncan. And this is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for submitting in his review. Up next is Kate Pollock. Kate says... Hi, Duncan and Teapots listeners. It's Kate Pollock here. Um, this is my review of 2012's The Conspiracy. Um, so I hadn't seen it before. I actually hadn't heard anything about it. The, um, the artwork was familiar, but I mean, that was literally it. Um, so <laughs> when I went in, I, I didn't realize that it was a faux documentary. Um, I had it in my head that it was a real documentary, which, um, is kind of dumb considering we're not covering actual documentaries in this series. Um, but there you have it. Um, and yeah, I, for the, for a good ha first half of the film, like, I didn't question anything. Like I didn't, I wasn't like, this seems re unrealistic or, you know, anything like that. It was a really, really believable series of events and um, set of characters. I felt like it was one of those like, obviously in film form rather than like a, a series, but I felt like it was one of those like nutbag Netflix documentaries, you know, like don't fuck with cats on the internet or something. Um, it just had that kind of pace and just that kind of, that kind of way of just unraveling, like, you know, peeling back layer after layer. And you can't, you think it, oh, I can't get much more fucked up than this. And then something else happens. And I really love that. I think it's really excellent for pacing. I think it's really uh, excellent just for, for tension building. Um, and, you know, you do feel this kind of genuine threat, I feel. Um, I feel like there was a lot here, even before it got to Terence disappearing, even before, their involvement with the the Tarsus group um i feel like just terence's explanation and going through like his conspiracies and things um you know i don't want to say like i believe in like secret societies per se on this level but I would say that there's definite like workings going on, you know, like whether it's the Illuminati, whether it's like stonemasons or whatever, like I feel like there is definite like dark doings with like elite organized groups like this. Um, I don't know whether it be politicians, I'm not sure about that so much, but definitely like rich, I mean, you know, you've got stuff with like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and you know, all of that kind of stuff, um, you know, so I, the, this kind of thing really taps into that. And so, and then you've also got the inclusion as well of like real events and footage and things to support these theories, you know, stuff with 9-11 and all of that kind of stuff. So I feel like even though these characters in the storyline is fake, there's still like this real strong element of realism that grounds the film and, and really just sucks you in. Um, and yeah, as I said, for the most part, like, well, not for the most part, but for about halfway, until about halfway through the movie, the first half, I was like hook, line and sinker. Like, yeah, I was, I was there believing everything, go, like, you know, connecting the dots as they go and, and having my little mind blown, honestly. <laughs> um, but then obviously like, as it kind of get, as it got a little bit more out there, I then started to question like, is this real? So I had a look and then I found out, oh no, no, it's not, it's not real. <laughs> um, and felt kind of dumb about it. Um, but I think that's just a real testament to the performances as well. I think, you know, these, 
these two main guys, you really believe their rapport, um, you really believe that they're friends um, and that they work together and their dynamic is really great and the differences in their characters and how their two characters start to sort of go down these different paths and things I thought was really genuine um, and a very kind of compelling viewing. Um, I thought that Terence, our, you know, resident uh, conspiracy theorist, I thought that, again, he was very, very real, you know, and I thought he was, you know, he's not just this kind of like, you know, tinfoil hat bloke, you know, he genuinely believes what he's saying and based off what he's saying, with good reason, he's, you know, reasonable when you talk to him when they talk to him and they've had these discussions or when they raise queries and stuff you know he doesn't go like go off on one or anything he's very kind of like and when he's interacting with the guy in the street and things like he's very reasonable and and rational to an extent um so you know when he goes missing and things you genuinely become concerned about him and hope that he's okay and it's very easy to see why aaron feels kind of compelled to try and find him and, and then to continue his work um, in his stead sort of thing and for the record I would definitely be Aaron out of the two like I would totally get sucked in and, and go down this rabbit hole like I do that enough with stuff like just on the internet let alone when I'd have all of this like material in front of me like yeah I would I would definitely go down the route of Aaron um, and I think yeah that's kind of appealing because as an audience member you know you put yourself in their shoes you think oh what would I do what would I do and I think yeah most people would either go off with Aaron's kind of you know his little kind of mission or you would go off with with Jim's kind of like this is ridiculous this is silly what you're doing you're wasting time you're wasting you know this is just a waste of time kind of thing and I think you know it's, most people would go down one or other so again it makes it for very compelling viewing whether you relate to one or the other um I really loved how it escalated um I thought that especially once they hit like the the party or the compound or whatever of the Tarsus group um you know that whole kind of like last act has a real shift and everything is just wrapped up in terms of like tension and suspense um you know like again like because we've all heard these sorts of stories about these places and these like groups and things existing like you know that shit can go dark quite quickly um and you know this is absolutely no exception like this ending as well was really dark and really cool like the mythology and the kind of the way that this group operates and things is all very kind of clearly laid out and you know i guess like when you think about it like oh of course it, it must be it's going to be that but like you know especially within the realms of like a horror film but um when it comes it's just like oh shit you know like it's really um yeah it's really quite shocking um i also as well just quick mention yay julian richings uh cropping up i recognize him as, as everything's all like blurred out or whatever um I, and i think is it blurred out is he wearing a mask oh i can't remember it's been about a week since i've watched it um but like he's got such a, a unique look and and sound and i know him really well from supernatural where he plays death Woo -woo. um so uh, i was very excited to see him in this um anyway so yeah like and these interactions that he has like it's that that again it's very suspenseful where they're interacting with 
all these people in the Tarsus group and it's like, oh my gosh, do they know? Are they just like playing with them or, you know, don't they know and are they okay? Like it's it's very that and it's quite like folk horror-y in a way. Like they're in this, you know, these duck out of water, these two guys are in this place where they shouldn't be. There is threat all around or potentially threat all around, um, you know, and ultimately like the whole thing about you know, they make a sacrifice, they, you know, they kill the bull and, um, you know, and all of this kind of stuff, you know, it's very like cult horror and folk horror, that kind of thing, even though it's set in sort of like modern day and stuff. So I really like that. It kind of, um, yeah, just like, I guess, yeah, I was going to sort of mention kill this, but really, yeah, any sort of folk horror like that um, is, is very much an influence here, I think. Um, and it's really, really effective for sure. Um, ultimately, I really liked the ambiguity of the ending. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I really liked how it sort of posed more questions than not. Um, like, you know, did Aaron go to one of these communities? Was he in fact killed and it's being covered up? Does Jim know? Like, you know, it just really plays into the paranoia that you just kind of feel all the way throughout this movie, like on top of the tension, you know, like it really sort of plays into that and you start, you start piecing things together and joining dots and like, ooh, is that this? And ooh, is that that? And you start like, you know, becoming suspicious of everything. And the ending is no exception at all. In fact, it just, it just further amplifies that. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, one of the things that I found really good about this film was how it starts off as this like, you know, documentary thing. And then by the end, it's like a fo uh, found footage. Um, but the premise of them trying to uncover this secret society and, and making this documentary, it really sort of fits as to why they would keep filming, which is obviously one of the frustrating things you get about found footage is just like, why would you keep filming? Like your life is in peril. Just like get rid of the camera and go you know you you know why they keep filming the whole point if they don't keep filming then all of this is for nothing so yeah you would keep filming throughout all of this and i think that that is done really well and it really sort of takes care of that annoying trope that often comes up with found footage um so yeah and i just as i said the pacing on this is really good the characters are really good um the whole way that it's pulled off the inclusion of real events the um sort of basing it in just enough realism that you're kind of questioning like is this real or not um it really just overall worked for me very very well my only my only sort of downer and, and this isn't the film's fault at all this is all completely my fault is that i wanted it to be a real documentary um not that i, I didn't want this stuff to be real but like like i i was I think my viewing was kind of marred slightly because of the tension that I was feeling, thinking that it was real. Um, and I I was partly some of the kind of, the excitement that I felt was, oh my gosh, is this real? Like, is this going on? And I, and I felt genuine concern for Terence. And it was only sort of, you know, when that scene, that they started getting followed themselves, I was just like, is that is this real like you know and that's when i started questioning but all the way up until that point like i thought it was real and then when i realized that it wasn't it kind of dissipated a bit of the tension that i was feeling um you know it, it like 
yeah, as I say, it's, I mean, this is on me, but if I'd known it was fiction going in, I think, you know, I'd known what I was in for, I was, I'd be in for that ride, and I'd have felt this kind of consistent level of tension. Whereas as it stands, because I thought it was real, and then I realized it wasn't, that was kind of alleviated a little bit. Um, and so the element of, of the overall threat kind of lessened for me knowing that it was fake. And I think this did affect my viewing, unfortunately, a little bit. Like not loads, but just like a little bit. And that's a real shame because this film, I think, I think this merits watching from everyone. I think, um, you know, this is a real high recommend for me. and. I think there's a lot going on here. I think that there is a lot that this film kind of has to say, not only just for the, the so secret society social kind of thing, but just, just in the way that our minds work, just in the way how you could so easily be taken over by these conspiracies and by these theories and, you know, and, and it could like really become your life like it does for Terence and, and, you know, like it does for Aaron in a way. Um, you know, and he's he goes and stays with Jim and he puts Jim's family at risk potentially, but you know, it's all for the truth. It's all for seeking out this truth. And I think all of that just, it makes for a really good, compelling viewing and a really excellently made film. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all I really have to sort of say on that one. Um, it's yeah, like despite sort of the tension lessening for me about halfway through, it's still a fantastic film. and. And definitely one, as I say, I'd, I'd recommend. So that's a four out of five from me, but that could go up, I reckon. You know, if other people were rating it 4.5 or fives out of fives, like it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, just for me at the moment, it's, it's a four out of five, but yeah. So um, thanks very much, Duncan and Teapots listeners. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts. And as always, I, I look forward to hearing everyone else's. Um, it's always really good to hear everyone's. Uh, so yeah, catch you next time. Bye. Thanks very much to Kate Pollock for sending in her review. So there you go. That's all the listener reviews for The Conspiracy. What you have next, ladies and gents, is something very, very simple to do. All you have to do is send in your reviews for Digging Up the Marrow from 2014. Now, I'm fully aware that this episode is dropping slightly later than planned. This, essentially, this ending has been re-recorded to merit the delay. So, uh, yeah, we will we'll have to try and work out some time to get us back in line. Summer series is taking full-on effect at the moment and a lot of recording time, so trying to fit these shows in over the summer is never easy, but we will persevere. So what I need from you is your reviews for Digging Up the Marrow on no later than Friday the 16th of July. So Friday 16th of July at the latest, the episode will drop on the 18th of July, which is the Sunday. I need from you a review of Digging Up the Marrow with a Netflix grade for Friday 16th of July. Now, our next movie, and we're continuing on, is a heavy hitter to say the least. It has just been released in a fantastic Blu-ray via Second Sight in the UK and it's one of my favourite found footage full documentary movies of all time. We are going to be doing a little movie called Lake Mungo for the next one. It is the seventh pick in the series and one that I think is hugely important because unlike Digging Up the Marrow, 
Uh, it does follow a theme, unlike Digging Up the Marrow, it is fully passed off as a kind of real documentary, but this is full documentary this time, so ain't no faces in this movie you will have seen before, and it's truly one of the most haunting movies, in my opinion, that's ever been made. So Digging Up the Marrow is your homework assignment for this next coming show, and you will hear a review of Late Mungo for me. So remember, Digging Up the Marrow in for Friday the 16th of July, and I will be reviewing Late Mungo on the next episode. And that brings us to the end, so thanks very much for once again listening to and taking part in Where to Begin with Season 2. Please make sure you're checking out all the other shows in the Teapots Collective, a little bit of Opera Omnia, looking at David Fincher with Bo Ransdell in Season 3, or a little bit of Doing the Nasty Season 2, where myself and Mark are going through the Tier 3 movies from the video Nasty List. Chronicle will be back real soon with uh, guests for the first time ever, so that'll be a ton of fun to say the least so thank you very much for your support i look forward to hearing your reviews in the next episode take care out there and until the next time bye everyone